good morning. I was warned that I need to be careful that the microphone does not get too high and near my nostrils. Otherwise, I will start doing the Darth Vader thing. So anyway, let me know if I start do, getting uh, too Dorothy on you. It is always a pleasure to be here, and I am grateful for the Word of God that is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I don't know how much reading you all do in the old classics, but Oscar Wilde wrote a classic story called The Picture of Dorian Gray. Dorian is this just beautiful, innocent young man. Everybody is just struck by the purity of his soul that just bleeds out in the way he appears. Well, a friend uh, gets a hold of him and has somebody paint a life-size portrait of Dorian that is just as vibrant as he actually is. Now, here's what happens in the story. This friend begins to take him and show him some things that are getting out on the edge and pretty soon leads him away into evil. Now, here's what happens. Dorian, throughout the story, remains youthful, good-looking, pure in his appearance. But this is kind of an enchanted portrait. And all the time that Dorian remains looking good, the portrait is aging. The portrait begins to get a, an evil glint in its eye. The, the portrait begins to get haggard. In the end, though years have passed by and Dorian is still as youthful and beautiful in appearance as he's ever been, inside he has become this evil person. So, while he's been able to avoid the appearance of evil, he realizes it's been eating him up inside. He finally goes up into the attic where this life-size portrait is uh, stored. And he goes up there and picks up a, a knife and slashes the portrait. Well, the people downstairs hear a cry, and when they go up there, they find here's this portrait of Dorian Gray, beautiful young, vibrant, but there's this old, withered, wicked-looking man laying on the floor that nobody recognizes, and he's got a dagger through his heart. Well, what Oscar Wilde was telling in this imaginative story is you can run from the things and try to hide the things on the outside, but you cannot, in the end, run from what's happening on the inside. You cannot hide what's in your heart. Now, those kind of stories are throughout our society, and one of them uh, has been captured by none other than Disney Studios. Take a look at this one. Once upon a time, in a faraway land, a young prince lived in a shining castle. Although he had everything his heart desired, the prince was spoiled selfish and unkind. But then, one winter's night, an old beggar woman came to the castle and offered him a single rose in return for shelter from the bitter cold. 
Repulsed by her haggard appearance, the prince sneered at the gift and turned the old woman away. But she warned him not to be deceived by appearances, for beauty is found within. And when he dismissed her again, the old woman's ugliness melted away to reveal a beautiful enchantress. The prince tried to apologize, but it was too late, for she had seen that there was no love in his heart. And as punishment, she transformed him into a hideous beast and placed a powerful spell on the castle and all who lived there. Ashamed of his monstrous form, the beast concealed himself inside his castle with a magic mirror as his only window to the outside world. The rose she had offered was truly an enchanted rose which would bloom until his 21st year. If he could learn to love another and earn her love in return by the time the last petal fell, then the spell would be broken. If not, he would be doomed to remain a beast for all time. As the years passed, he fell into despair and lost all hope. For who could ever learn to love a beast? I love that movie. And it's got, uh, Disney seems to have captured it so beautifully with the music and all the rest of the story. But that's an old story that Disney has gotten a hold of. And it's really a story that is as old as time. We've been talking about the seven longings of the human heart. The first one we said was to love and be loved. Uh, the second one was the longing for fascination. And that fascination that comes from our looking into the face of the creator, looking beyond the creation to the creator. Today, we talk about the longing for beauty. Now, God has put into all of us a longing to be beautiful and attractive. Now, some of us think, oh, that doesn't sound very spiritual. And this seems to still be growling at me. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be irritating you over much. But God has given us this desire to be attractive. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, all of this is a reflection of the beauty of God. For instance, have you ever considered that God did not have to make food taste good? We could just have some bland something, like tofu, and, you know, just eat it, and it's healthy for you, and that's it. But God does not stop us there. He gives food flavor. Look at the beautiful colors in the world. Look at the, the colors in the rainbow. Look at the colors of the birds and flowers. Why does God do this? Because there is a radiant beauty in there that reflects the beauty of God. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, advertisers make their living off of this. They keep saying, this is what you need in order to make you beautiful. The problem is they can't do anything about what's on the inside, so they just talk about what's on the outside. And whatever it is that you've got, it's not enough. You need more of this, more of that, and you need it to be pancaked across you. You need to wear this new clothes. But the problem with advertising is that 
you are at the whim of the advertiser. They're the ones who tell you, this is what you ought to look like. This is what you ought to wear. I don't know if you all have ever watched any of the older movies back in the black and white days, but I'm telling you, the female stars of those days, uh, people like uh, Marilyn Monroe and uh, Mae West, uh, I mean, you can tell they hadn't missed a meal. You know, I mean, these people were not skeletal like the image of beauty that we have today. And, I, you know, I look at these movie stars, and all I want to do is go up and say, can I buy you a meal? <laughs> They're all starving to death. Well, there's the problem with the outside image. Betty, my uh, precious uh, wife, told me one day about this woman in Europe who goes by the nickname of Barbie. And this woman has spent over a million dollars in elective plastic surgery to try to get herself to look like Barbie. I said, you are making this up. No, she said, this is true. And sure enough, I saw on something, and there was the woman. All I can tell you is, there's a million bucks down the drain. Now, And it's not that, you know, she looked hideous or anything. She looked fine. But here's the deal. In her pursuit of outward beauty, everything she did, every penny she spent, all of her waking hour was focused on whom? Herself. And I'm telling you, when we are self-centered, that is the greatest ugliness of all. And so here was this woman who is wasting all of this time and money. And by the way, one of the sad things is when people spend that kind of time and money and it doesn't work. Now here's what the Bible has to say about this from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. It says this, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. And verse 4 says... You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Now, it's not that we shouldn't look good on the outside, and this kind of, you know, it's not that you shouldn't wear jewelry and that kind of thing. But what he's saying is, don't get so focused on the outside that you forget the beauty that is on the inside. Who was it who said, uh, beauty may be only skin deep, but ugly goes clean to the bone? Uh, By the way, if anyone thinks that this just refers to women, you're wrong. Men have just as much of a desire to be beautiful or attractive, might be another word. We just use different words for it. You know, so we want to be cool, bad awesome, hunky. Uh, You know, I have uh, personally uh, found out that I have been voted on the sexiest man in America for five years running. I have been third from the bottom. (laughs) And, you know, that's just not a positive thing. But, you know, we all have this desire to be attractive, to have People appreciate us, and this is a desire that comes from God. But here's the dark part about it. God made every person, everything in creation, perfect in its beauty. But then sin entered into the world, and the world 
fell into ugliness. And that's still our story today. Oh, we see plenty of signs of the beauty of God, but there's still an ugliness that God is having to deal with. That takes us to our scripture today because here is what God does, how he enters into our brokenness, how he enters into our hurts, and how he gives us his grace and beauty in the midst of it. Uh, Here in chapter uh, 61 of Isaiah, he tells them, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair, and their righteousness they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Now Isaiah wrote those words to Israel that was facing a national disaster. But did you notice that those are the same words Jesus used when he began his ministry there among the people in his time? He came to bring good news to the poor, comfort to the brokenhearted, release to the captives, freedom to the prisoners, hope for the hopeless, comfort for those who mourn, and a crown of beauty for ashes of despair. And here is our hope, that God can take the ashes of our sin the ashes of our brokenness, the ashes of our despair, and still bring something beautiful out of it. Ashes are the byproduct of things that have burned up when we are pursuing with passion the wrong things. But God can take even the worst and bring something beautiful out of it. And by the way, God doesn't just change outward things. This is the great good news for us, is God can change us from the the inner heart. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. This is our hope that God can change us from the inside out. Do you remember the story in 1 Samuel 16 where Samuel is sent to go to the family of Jesse and to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king? So when he goes, there's the lineup of the sons, starting from the oldest, heading down to the youngest. And so he looks at the older, the oldest of the boys, and he's a good-looking guy. He's the firstborn. He's got charisma. Everything looks right. And Samuel says, that's the one. And God says, no, that's not the one. And then comes that incredible ninth verse. He said, because people look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. How much time we waste on outward appearance and how little time we focus on the heart. Back in 1997, uh, in a week's time, two famous women died. On August 31st, Princess Diana was killed in a senseless traffic accident. And uh, many of us remember that. Then, on September 5th, just uh, less than a week later, uh, Mother Teresa died. Now, when you take a look at those two women, what do you see? 
Well, on the right is this gorgeous woman, and on the left, we want to be gentle, don't we? But Mother Teresa was plain. Now, I'm not in any way wanting to throw down on Princess Diana, who did, in fact, use her fame and all to do a lot of good. But you look at that woman, Mother Teresa, who has no apparent outward beauty, and yet the whole world is captivated by this woman who gave her whole life away in service, who when she died didn't own anything, who all of her life went among the last, the lost, and the least, and she did it because she cared about them. There was a beauty of the heart. And we still have a hard time getting that right, don't we? I mean, we are still attracted by outward beauty, and there's nothing wrong with outward beauty, but it is not enough. I wonder if any of you remember when this came around uh, in the first time that Susan Boyle tried out for Britain's Got Talent. Some of you may remember this. What's your name, name, darling? darling? My name is Susan Boyle. Okay, uh, Susan, and where are you from? I am from Blightwood near Bathgate, West Lothian. It's a big town. It's a sort of collection of, it's a collection of uh, villages. I to think there. And how old are you, Susan? I am 47. And that's just one side of me. <laughs> okay, what's the dream? I... I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it'll change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. Like what are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed a Dream from the Miserables. Okay. Big song. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Every time I come to the end of it, I have tears flowing down my cheeks. But we're in danger of missing the point here. And here's the deal. I mean, you saw on their faces, you know, how old are you? 47. Who do you want to be as famous as, you know, Elaine Page? I'm guessing is famous in England. I don't know. Anyway, but, you know, everybody's going, really? And then they hear her sing. And they discover that the outward appearance did not reflect the talent that she had. But here's the mistake we're in danger of making. Ah, see? You may not look all that great, but as long as you've got talent, you're okay. But that misses the point of the gospel. Because what if she had sung and she were very ordinary? 
they'd have lampooned her and hooted her off the stage and said, enough with you and forgotten about her. But here is the gospel, the good news of God in Jesus Christ, is when we come to him, he receives us without beauty, without talent, without the gifts, and he loves us anyway. See, the world keeps looking and saying, prove to me that I ought to love you. Prove to me that you're good enough, smart enough, talented enough, and then I'll receive you. The greatest fear we have is that people will see us as we are and then simply dismiss us. But this is why we need to come back to God's word. Listen to this from Psalm 149.4. This is powerful. The Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Listen to me. God loves you because you are his. It's not because of what you look like. It's not because of what you've accomplished. It's not because of your talents. God loves you for who you are. How many of you are honest enough to admit that every baby is not just beautiful? Now, I never would admit that if I, you know, when I go into the hospital, I'll say, now that's a baby. And you can always say that with confidence. But you know what? It doesn't matter what the baby looks like. To every parent, that baby is gorgeous. Why? It's theirs. Do you realize that's the way that God feels about you? He thinks you are the bomb. He thinks you are just spectacular. In fact, it would not be overstating things to say that you are God's favorite. He loves you with absolute, complete love. Why? Because you are his. You know, we began the, uh, the message today with a clip from Beauty and the Beast. The question is, what changed everything? Well, somewhere in there, this big old hairy, ugly beast, Belle, the beauty, she saw something in him. That she said, that's different. I think there's something in there that is beautiful and can be lovely. And when she saw it in him, she brought it out of him. Now there is the gospel. The good news of God in Jesus Christ. He sees in you and in me something that can be different. Something that can be beautiful. And because of that, we can be transformed in an instant. You know, we've been talking about beauty, but I want to take you to the most beautiful place and the most beautiful moment in all of history. And I invite you just to turn your attention over into that corner. See, on a hilltop just outside of Jerusalem, a hill named Golgotha, there are three crosses standing there and on those three crosses are three men bleeding and dying and you say what on earth is beautiful about that it's this in the central cross there's a man whose name is Jesus and above him 
is a sign that says, Jesus Christ, the King of the Jews. And as that man hangs there dying, he is dying for the sins of the whole world. He takes our ashes and in place gives us his beauty. He takes our sin and in place gives us his righteousness. He takes our despair and gives us hope. He takes our death and gives us his life. And there is the place of the greatest beauty because the greatest and sweetest and most perfect transaction in all of history took place there where Jesus Christ came for you and for me to take our ashes and give us his beauty instead. That's why one song puts it like this. He looked beyond my faults and saw my need. And then another hymn writer put it this way. I wonder if some of you know this one. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine That were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. I want to invite you today to go with me to the foot of that cross and there to look up into the face of Jesus and see true beauty, perfect beauty, and then to recognize astonishingly that Jesus looks down from the cross at you and me And though we are sinners, broken and far from him, he invites us to come back home and sees in you and me a beauty that will transform us forever. Won't you come to him? And then won't you take that hope to those around who don't yet understand the love and mercy and grace of God? Let's pray together. Father, this is stuff that just frankly it's hard for us to believe. Uh, We find ourselves so desperately trying to get everybody else to like us. We do things, we try to make our appearance such, we try to make folks think we're better than we are. Always we fall short. But today we can lay all that down. We can come to Jesus and find that he gives us for our ashes, his beauty, for our despair, his hope, for our death, his life. And so we receive that with grace today, and we thank you. And I want to pray right now for all of us. There are, I suspect, more than one, there's more than one person here who's thinking, well, that probably doesn't apply to me. But we're asking that you would speak your truth into our hearts that we would be able to look into the eyes of Jesus some of us for the first time some of us for the hundred and first time or the thousand and first time and there we find that we are accepted we are loved we are beautiful in the eyes of God this we pray in Jesus name